Welcome to Cabin Boy Minute 19. Here we catch fish and stink. We enjoy some honey-dipped willy pumps and see Nathaniel profess his status as a fancy lad. Get ready to set sail on Cabin Boy Minute, Minute 19. Welcome back, everybody, to Cabin Boy Minute, Minute 19. At the beginning of this minute, we get skunk professing kid. We're just here to catch fish and stink. Mostly the latter. Great James Gammon. In the screenplay, that mostly the latter, not in the screenplay. Improvised, perhaps? Maybe. So then we see uh, Nathaniel start panting and shrieking. Okay, okay, um, uh, all right. Look, obviously there's been a little mix-up. So here he goes, trying to once again make sure that the crew knows exactly where he stands to now once again mold their behavior to uh, his liking. So obviously there's been a little mix-up, and I seem to have boarded the wrong vessel. I like that there's a brief moment of him acknowledging reality and then immediately attempts to, as you say, as you said, mold it back towards kind of his world. Like, oh, I've, I've, I'm on the wrong boat, but wait, I know what we can do. He does apologize. So that's <laughs> big. That's gross. You just point this thing towards Hawaii and drop me off there. Great. All right, so let, let's let's get into the thick of it here with this next statement. Let's go enjoy some tea and honey-dipped willy pumps. Please let me know that one of you have done some sort of research. It is a made-up word as far as I can tell. There is no such thing as honey-dipped willy pump. Just, just sprung from uh, Resnick's diseased mind. So in the screenplay, it is listed as Willy Space Pump, P-U-M-P. Huh. In the closed captioning, also listed as Willy Pumps. When you Google Willy Pump, what comes up is... <laughs> Terrible things. <laughs> penis Pump. As far as I can tell, a Willy Pump <laughs> is indeed a penis pump. Tea and penis pumps. It's apparently like a, a legitimate medical device to help with erectile dysfunction. I did not realize that. But so you guys are saying that this probably isn't penis pumps. That seems to be the vibe I'm getting here. I mean, it wouldn't really fit with the vibe of the movie. A willy pump is either a misinterpretation of something else or it's spelled wrong or he thinks it's something else or it's a made up word or you know, for like a cracker or something you might have alongside your tea. I do not believe that the genius that is Adam Resnick <laughs> would put some sort of misunderstanding in here. And I, I do think that he is subversive enough to sneak something in there like that that could very well sound like some sort of cookie. And if, if that is the case, that's fucking funny. And if we if we ever do get the interview, I mean that's that's question one. I might just end the end the interview right there. I need to know this now. 
Was this an intentional joke? You know, a joke like somebody's daddy's missing a leg. This is no crazier than that. I can't see how it's not supposed to be that. At no point in this entire screenplay thus far has it just been like utter nonsense. This would be technically the only made up word in the screenplay then at this point. Not made up. That's what well, I'm saying. I mean, considering the other <laughs> side of it, right? I mean, how many different kinds of pumps are there? You know, in I mean, the, in, the, in the closed captioning that I see, it is W I L L Y P U M, one word. Really? Pumps. This is the Amazon Prime download one. Well, again, the screenplay says Willie Pumps, so that's what I've got to go with. Right, no, and, no. And that's what I have in, in this. So, again, I, I argue how many different kind of pumps are there? And if it was just complete nonsense, the fact that there exists such thing as a penis pump and another word for penis is Willie, it seems a, a, a bit unlikely that this would just be complete nonsense. I think that it is simply a coincidence. Look, I don't want to spend much more time on this, but I will say the answer of it's just nonsense does not cut it. You know, I mean, if you want to sit there and say that you have some sort of other explanation, that's fine. Of course, of course. I think in this instance, though, you know, we, we, we've potentially been drawn down a false path. I think the answer here, it's not nonsense. It is Adam or Chris. We could put this as his, his feet as well, since I think they both worked on the screenplay together. You know, they were just trying to come up with a name for a, a fancy cookie. And Willie Pump sounded funny. It's just a funny set of words. Sometimes that's all you need. A couple sounds together, like, all right, that's kind of amusing sounding. Let's go with that. I'll, I'll accept that as at least some sort of alternative. <laughs> All I really want is to say that perhaps Resnick put it in, having that whatever double entendre. It is Nathaniel's character was not suggesting this. I'm not. I'm not making any sort of argument for that. But what I am suggesting is that these are not just random words. That these are intentionally put in here to make that joke it, as at least a possibility. I would maintain that could have said dimply docks or whatever that would have been some other not penis pump reference skunk's face as nathaniel's going through his little mini speech here is pretty good because it starts off where he's actually like he's listening to him he almost has kind of like a polite look on his face like oh okay what is he saying and then at the end it's just what like <laughs> just the confusion washes over and you can tell that he's gone from I'm accepting this person. I'm, I'm hearing what they have to say. And at the end, it's just, oh, no, no, I'm immediately done with this asshole. They're all great character actors. And he skunk, like we said, he, he's kind of that voice of reason. And he, he does seem to give somebody the chance to explain. And I, I do appreciate and we'll talk in a moment. You know, Big Teddy. At no point does he laugh at any of this. At no yes. point. <laughs> Even when the whole crew is laughing in a moment, he just keeps this just pissed off look on his face. Scowling the entire time. <laughs> so it brings us to the line. Give me the go ahead <laughs> cap and I'll kill him. <laughs> Brilliant. Seriously, though, do you think he would actually kill him? Yes. 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 And then, great, you have Cappy under his breath again, 
ekes out the I know I shouldn't have had that last bottle of rot gut. Is is he thinking that like if he hadn't had the last drink, he would have noticed him in his bed and he would have gotten rid of him sooner? How how would that have helped? They're already been at sea for hours, we assume. Right. You know, based on what they say in the screenplay, it was something like a thirteen hour sail from the time they left dock. So even if they had enough behind them, you know, just say they were only three or four hours away from the dock. And now they're 13 hours away from the dock. I mean, it may have been more likely to turn back and drop them off at shore if it was only four hours away. Then we transition to, which is a scene I, I appreciate, again, doing this Cabin Boy Minute. I really hadn't looked at this scene in any level of detail and I, I really like Chris's work in this scene and there's quite a bit more in there than uh, I at first gave it credit. So they all start wandering away and then Nathaniel goes, gentlemen, no, 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 don't walk away from me, come back, come back, don't make me run and uh, they switch shots they, uh, to the other side of the boat and he kind of gathers them back around as they wander off Got a lot of, come on, come on, you two, come, 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 come. And then we have the line of, it's painfully obvious to me that you have no idea who you're dealing with here. You see, I am a fancy lad. He drops the wig on his head and poses. Yeah, there's a lot of just subtle things that don't make me run. He he sneaks in there. (laughs) As he's like prancing around over like a, what, six foot space, something like that. (laughs) He's... He's just being, like, cute and playful, you know? <laughs> it's painfully obvious to him. They, they don't know who he's dealing with. I mean, he, he means that, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's assuming once they know who he actually is, they will fall in line like everybody else, is, like everybody else does and serve him. I love watching Kenny's reaction through all of this. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> Just holding the bucket the whole time, sort of smiling when everybody else smiles. Exactly. He he is the definition of what we talked about with Mike Sachs, like the, the audience waiting for the laugh track. Just waiting to see how everyone else is reacting so he knows how to react. Yep. Although, when Nathaniel puts the wig on, Kenny has a look of, like, horror on his face. <laughs> He's, like, scared. <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite just deliveries of a line, I'm sure I've said that particular phrase many times before, but just Cappy's reply, repeating him, a fancy lad! <laughs> it's just, he does it so well. I love it. It's, it's awesome. They all just start cracking up, except for Big Teddy. Of course. He just continues to have a look of disgust on his face. And if you continue to hinder my arrival... I'll just have my daddy put you all on trial and have you hanged. <laughs> Does not get what he wants and so immediately resorts to threats. Do the Mayweathers have that power? Well, this is, uh, if you go back to Captain's Courageous, the main character in Captain's Courageous is an awful, horrible little shit at the beginning of the movie. Um, it, I... I at the beginning of Captain's Courageous, I found myself actually disliking him more than Nathaniel's character, which I thought was an impressive feat. Um, and uh, it, it he doesn't, I don't think he threatens anyone with death, but he certainly threatens multiple 
characters he comes in contact with along the way over the beginning over the beginning of the movie every time hinging back on the fact that his dad is super rich and it's like he owns this boat or he owns this thing or that thing i'll have him you know he threatens some kid to have him lose his job um so you know nathaniel's reaction here recall back to that and then of course nathaniel taking it the the step further of i'm going to kill you all <laughs> if you don't take me home this scene and the subsequent scenes are directly from Captain's Courageous. They're a different take on it, but it's it's almost exactly the type of scenes you see in Captain's Courageous with the kid trying to get his way off the boat. Mm-hmm. So I, I did wonder, and this, of course, with everything, um, has its problems with this anachronistic timeline of this unknown time period so the information when we're trying to kind of draw these parallels to the movie in the real world it gets a little fuzzy but i was curious if hangings still occur so in the united states the death penalty was restored in 1976 but you know most states implement lethal injection instead of hanging the last person to be hung in the U.S. was Delaware's Billy Bailey. He was hung in 1996, but only three criminals between 1965 and 1996 have actually been hung. Hmm. As of 2020, hanging is an available secondary method of execution in the states of Delaware, New Hampshire, and Washington. Huh. Hmm. All right, so we have Skunk leans in. You dropped on your head as a toddler. But again, the look on his face, he's actually, I think he's like serious when he asked the question. <laughs> right, he's, he's trying to make sense of it. He can't, he can't quite understand. It's not registering again. He's given him the benefit of the doubt. He may be sitting here listening to him, like truly trying to understand. And the, the only kind of reason that he can conclude is that he got dropped in the head that's really the only thing that seems to make sense yeah and then um when uh when cappy comes roaring in at nathaniel there's like a few little squeaks from uh elliot as cappy's coming at him that i thought were a nice little touch as well he's got like "Eh, eh," or whatever noises he makes all right so the commentary so chris elliot is he asking what the act break was that's exactly what he says. What, what was the act break here? They're going into some discussion. Was it getting on the wrong boat? Adam Resnick, oh yeah, I guess it is. So let me preface. As we've been going through this Cabin Boy Minute, now being on Minute 19, we're learning that uh, some of the questions we've been asking have become a bit redundant. And we're uh, now trying on some new questions for size, trying to reframe to eke out the essence. So one of those questions, and really what should be yet another secondary mission, is a focus on turning this movie into a theatrical production. So when they start to talk in the commentary about, you know, is this the act break here? Apparently, there is a structured way of writing a screenplay. In general, with a a play structure, you have act one, where the characters and mood are established. So again, if we look back to what's gone on so far, we have Nathaniel Mayweather as the fancy lad. 
in the Steppenwood finishing school. We've seen him interact with others. We get a real feel for the kind of person that he is. And then toward the end of Act One, which I guess is what they're talking about here as the act break, is the source of antagonism. So this back and forth where Chris Elliott's saying, what is it, me getting on the wrong boat? That would be, in my estimation, the source of antagonism, which would indicate the end of Act One. And now he's on the wrong boat, and that's really where the meat of the story continues. Yeah, I, I was I was a little confused by their confusion. I mean, clearly the transition from the sort of introduction to the story to the main journey of the story is him getting on the boat and going to sleep and then the crew showing up. It's, you know, whether or not there's a, a clean line there, it's a little fuzzy. But I, I guess maybe for the purposes of, like, writing, where you would decide, like, you know, this is the end of Act 1, this would be where our intermission is of some nature or something like that, I, I could see why it'd be a little fuzzier. So then you have Act 2, where the character is now striving to overcome this problem. So we even see in the next scenes where he's trying to get himself out of this, right? He's starting to negotiate with the crew. Each act is even further broken down into some sort of low point, a seeming high point, and then a fall mm -hmm. as Act 2 ends. Yes. And then uh, generally at the end of Act 2, that's the lowest point of the story, which end of Act 2 then is what? Being left on Hell's Bucket and Mulligan going to kill the crew? Is it is it as far as that? What's his lowest point? I would say being left for dead. Well, because then let me just jump ahead. Act three is the shortest, and it wraps all up when the hero pulls off a victory at the end of a final battle of some sort. So uh, clearly the mulligan scene. Yeah, okay. All right, so then they continue in the commentary. The first draft that they got that Tim signed off on was like 150 plus pages. And then Mike Sachs. So this will bring us to yet another new question. So the obvious call to action. So Mike Sachs, did you ever think of publishing that script? And Resnick, of course, replies, no, for who? Meaning who's <laughs> going to read it? And then Mike again, I think people would love it. Resnick, it's probably one of those things where I don't even think I own it. I'm sure Touch Disney owns it. Making an amalgamation of those two words, Touchstone and, and Disney. So... Resnick says, get that going, Mike. We'll publish that. And Mike says, I'll put it out. So here's the call to action. I guess first we need to figure out, and you know, along with our audience, who owns this script at this point. Is it Touchstone? I'm meaning Disney at this point. Which iteration is owned? I, I'm, again, we don't know anything about this. But then how do we move, you know, I, I don't think we necessarily need to hold Mike Sachs's feet to the fire because he agreed to publish it. But, you know, uh, some sort of publishing connection. I, I don't know how we can go about getting this. Adam did say that he would publish it. So I don't see any reason why we uh, wouldn't try to pursue this. Uh, so Cabin Boy Nation, I guess, um, trying to figure out who owns the script first off. And then uh, we need to take it from there. I 100% agree. I heard that. And I was, you know, my first reaction was like, all right, well, we know what our, <laughs> the next project we're adding to our giant pile of projects is <laughs> getting, getting the uh, script published in some manner or another. 
why do this if we're not going to better the world? Oh, yeah, man. So who won the scene? I say Nathaniel. He put that whole portion together with getting everybody around and, and the pose. I am a fancy lad. He really, he tied the scene together there. I couldn't agree more. Supreme acting. Awards all around. It's Nathaniel with uh, honorable mentions to uh, Big Teddy and uh, Kenny for As you know, a yeah, <laughs> Lifetime Achievement Award for Kenny at this point. <laughs> all right, so one of the other new uh, questions trying on for size here. So if Cabin Boy was made into a video game, what would be happening during this minute? What could we use in this minute in the video game? So obviously we're picking up this question kind of in the middle of the movie or know 19 minutes in at least and we'd have to frame up the video game to exactly what kind of game it is but just for argument's sake the framework i'm looking at is more a video game where it follows the narrative of the movie you know the, the first video game scene would have something at stefan wood finishing school and just kind of follow him along and do these what i'll call like these mini games that pop up and just just to create a device from the beginning here and we can evolve this as we go you know perhaps he's collecting uh fish he's got a fish meter and his uh you know the fish meter goes up when he does certain things goes down when he does other things whatever and by the end you're trying to catch as many fish as you possibly can so if we're using that kind of device i thought what would be fun for this scene is after skunk asks him you dropped on your head as a toddler that you have the scene cuts it goes to like a little bonus mini game with like a baby with Nathaniel's wig on and it's like Nathaniel's mother and she's like precariously like trying to, you know, you have to control the mother <laughs> to not like have the baby be dropped on its head. And like if you succeed, you get a certain number of, uh, of fish in the basket. And if you fail, <laughs> you don't get any fish and it just cuts right back to, you know, you sailing around in the filthy whore or whatever the game mechanism might be. The, the baby has Nathaniel's face with the beard and everything. Right. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> don't drop the baby. <laughs> I, I don't have anything that could possibly follow that up. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, man. So, again, one of the other questions. So, if Cabin Boy was taught in university, as it should, uh, what could be some possible topics for the class that would be taught that day so like his comment about being hung and that uh, you know kind of the history of executions capital punishment etc ethical considerations as far as murder on the high seas <laughs> big teddy threatens to kill him and then he in turn threatens to have the whole crew killed i mean i think you could easily discuss that for a good hour or so yeah, so possibly the t the overarching topic is ethics, and the lens through which we look is a murder on the high seas. Okay, and then much in the spirit of like a the the philosophy of Matrix, we have the philosophy of Cabin Boy. So what I came up with was along the lines of like so this idea of expectations and when our expectations change and how we deal with that change so again Daniel has this expectation that this is the Queen Catherine and then that this is a theme ship and then finally realizes that 
he was wrong all all the time and how he reconciles these expectations with reality. I like that. All right. So did you have a general pondering for today? I do. So how much responsibility does Nathaniel bear for his behavior? He's an asshole. He is trying to get the crew to, you know, cater to his every whim. He threatens them with murder. Not murder, but, well, I guess murder, sure. But while we had the example of Timmons trying to, um, you know, curb his condescension towards others, that's really the only time we see uh, someone who he interacts with regularly trying to get him to act like a, you know, sort of nice, normal person. But if, say, his entire family is like that, if his whole peer group, they're all, like, obnoxious and kind of abusive and all that, maybe he just has never had a strong example of what appropriate behavior should could be. And if he's never really had a strong example, if he's always been brought up to be just totally privileged and everything comes his way, if, if he's never had the behavior appropriately modeled, he can't actually, he doesn't know how to act like a good person. And if he doesn't know how to act like a good person, can we really hold it against him when he is acting like an asshole? Basically, I'm questioning free will, right? Free will and responsibility. Is his behavior predetermined or at some point along the way, you know, how much how much choice does he really have in the matter? And also, isn't there like a societal burden for that as well? That I mean, go if you go more extreme, you know, you can always learn more from looking at the extreme. So he's uh, a murderer. You know, I mean, are you going to forgive him for being a murderer just because he didn't know any better? You know, at what point and at what age? At what point do you start holding people responsible for their actions, regardless of their upbringing? I guess there's also two other ways to look at it where, you know, are you looking at it in more just like, do I want to be friends with this guy? Like, what what kind of metric am I trying to answer? Like, if he's he's an asshole, so am I forgiving him as, because I'm going to establish a friendship with him? Or am I forgiving him uh, because I just have to deal with him on this boat in this moment? Maybe it's not a question of forgiveness. Maybe it's a question of uh, can you feel any uh, any empathy or sympathy for him in that he hasn't maybe had the opportunity to learn how to be a good person? Just extend personal sympathy because he hasn't had that opportunity? Yeah. The answer can be no. I'm just uh, just just throwing it out there as a kind of thought exercise. I just I just don't know where I stand, and I, it does always come back to context. You know, it's like, uh, is this person my neighbor? Is this person a family member? Is this person a coworker or just some jerk off I pass on the street? You know, and uh, I'm going to use different responses based on their level of importance in my life, you know? But uh, regardless of whether you know someone closely or don't know them at all, isn't there some ground to evaluate them in the same manner? And I mean, you might be less inclined to be sympathetic towards somebody, but if you were sort of taking the emotional aspect out of it, you would hopefully, you could apply the same kind of analysis of their behavior and, and the, the things that drove their behavior regardless of how well you know them. I mean, if you meet somebody, if you met Nathaniel, like, what would you, what would you think? You know, I think this guy, this guy's a fucking asshole. But see, I, I'm more inclined to give somebody the benefit of the doubt, I feel, you know, I, I feel like, I mean, unless they're like 
outwardly being hateful, but I guess he is being hateful. So in certain circumstances, too, I, I'm just coming against this too many. It depends. And I guess I would need a concrete scenario to evaluate this. Should he be held accountable? Yes, is my short answer. Yes, he should be held accountable because he's old okay. enough. And it, ultimately, if you're being a, an asshole, it's your responsibility to change. Fair enough. I mean, I think that's the uh, generally agreed upon concept. All right. <laughs> so uh, gags per minute. I got, a, I got a GPM of five, mostly the latter. Willie pumps. I'll kill him. I am a fancy lad and dropped on your head as a toddler. All right. So, Scott, you want to give us your gags? We got six today. I got uh, catch fish and stink. I got uh, Nathaniel's reaction. Number three is tea and honey dipped willy pums. Four is give me the go ahead, Captain, and I'll kill him. Five, I am a fancy lad. Six is I'll have you hanged. And then I got where you dropped on your head as a child. Brian? I mean, I had an overall of ten. Uh, Number one, catch fish and stink. I further delineated the second gag as mostly the latter. And then number three is Nathaniel's gasping and his reactions after that. Number four, tea and willy pumps. Number five, give me the go-ahead cap and I'll kill him. Number six is his whole little dance and the don't make me run, that whole piece. Number seven is when he puts the wig on and does his little hand gesture. I am a fancy lad. Number eight is the Cruz boisterous reaction. I have as a separate one. And then number nine, specifically Cappy saying again, a fancy lad, just because I love that part. And then number 10, as we've all said, we dropped on your head as a toddler. Okay. So that would put us at a GPM of 10. Funny, not funny. I went funny. 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 It's a funny scene. I specifically say mostly the latter, just Nathaniel versus Big Teddy and his fancy lad reaction. It's a a fun scene. Quality scene. Good times. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us on Cabin Boy Minute. This was Minute 19. We'll see you next week on Cabin Boy Minute 20. Adios. Bye-bye. again for joining us on cabin boy minute please help spread the word tell your friends about us and rate and subscribe on your podcast medium of choice check out our episode notes where you can find calls to action details on how to support the pod or leave us a message or find us on twitter at at cabin boy minute we look forward to joining you again next week bon voyage